Hey folks, how you doing? It's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. New episode. I mean, imagine this. This is an old episode, right? You could be listening to this. It's an old episode. Who knows? But this week, new episode. Mike Serker, CEO of Alpha Industries. So I'm not sure if you know, but Alpha Industries, they're known for their iconic military jackets from the MA1 to the M65 to the M3B, all that stuff. The brand has been in business for over 60 years, making pieces that have now become staples in every wardrobe. And I got to say, this episode was super refreshing because I'll have people on and, you know, they'll be like, business is great and I'm great and life is perfect and I'm near perfect. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, man, okay, like, do you have anything that goes wrong in your life? And it's not that like, that's all I want to hear. But it's just like, you know, like, tell me what actually happens. Like, don't give me like the press answer. And I got to say, Mike did not give me the press answer. Sure, maybe he starts out with it and, you know, he's like, yeah, we had a good year. But what was really awesome to hear is he was like, yeah, yeah, that happened. We didn't get that one right. And, oh, I wish we could have done that better. And here's the here's the challenges we're facing now as a brand. And I was like kind of in shock as we were talking because, you know, again, you hear some of these folks on the pod and they're great, but it's tough to try to empathize with something that someone's going through when their life basically sounds like it's perfect. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like, it's funny to hear. And so like Mike really went there. And I mean, we talk about the Kanye effect and By the way, big surprise. Do you remember when Kanye West had all these MA1 flight jackets and he put Confederate flags on him? I mean, he was like, yeah, we had to we had to deal with that. (laughs) You know, I mean, but he talks about the challenges they had to overcome chasing trends. Uh, But what was really what really got me and this was great for him to for me to hear is he kind of talked about like because it was the family business. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what your childhood memories are, but in most cases, they may not be the most fun when you realize like you're in it, like you're just you're you're involved in everything. And he talks about like how he really things didn't click that much until he's at the NASA Museum or the Smithsonian Museum. I don't know. <laughs> I recorded this a while ago, but like and he sees Alpha Industries in there and he's like, whoa, like that's us. And it was just so great to hear uh, his candor throughout all this. I mean, Fantastic episode. I'm so glad you get to hear this. I'm going to shut up and just let you jump in. <laughs> All right. Mike, thank you so much for joining. Uh, this is a pleasure. First off, how are things going at, at the factory within the Alpha Industries fam? You know, um, things are going well, I got to say. I, I hear a lot of um, depressing stories almost about just the state of retail or or the pandemic and so forth but you know we actually made out pretty well and we're gonna turn out a pretty good year this year um i attribute that to a couple things one you know uh we're a very diversified business right we're global business we're sold globally, you know, major, all major fashion markets across the world. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a lot of different let's, streams of revenue, right? Um, and the brand, you know, I think that people might just kind of, in times like this, they might kind of go back to what they know, um, right. classics. And so I think that, yeah, my fashion business might not be so strong, but people are still buying our MA1s and our M65s and our, you know, our parkas. Um, 
all day long. And so we're, we're really lucky to have those kinds of staples that carry us through. And then the other thing I would say is why, why we're able to really survive, you know, or prosper during this time is that before this all happened, before the market kind of went down a little bit, we had already started seeing some declines in our own business because we we rode this bomber jacket wave like up to the tops, right? And we were, you know, hitting on all cylinders, running all this kind of stuff. And sure, as that trend started to subside, our business also started to go down a little bit. This is maybe four years ago, three or four years ago or so. And so we, before the pandemic, before the recession all came in, we tightened our belt already. And so we kind of went back to basics. We were like, okay, what do we need to do to like keep this momentum? We need to focus on our core pieces, focus on fabrics and just quality stuff at a good price, you know, and nice marketing messages, good collab partners, and also lean, tight expenses. So we were able to really weather through pretty well. And so I'm really happy about the team. Yeah, really happy. That's huge. I mean, because... Your your story is really interesting, and I, and I definitely want to talk a bit about you know the, the family business and how you kind of ended up there. But I, you know, I I am quite curious because I feel like a lot of people right now are leaning in on like what you were saying, like kind of like old standards, right? Um, you know, people want pea coats and raw denim and you know boots, like things that are a little bit tried and true especially at like, you know, as we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic um, and people are starting to get dressed again, like there's this desire to, yeah, I want to, I want to go buy this. I want to put this on. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm out of sweatpants, but I think I'm just going to get the things that are like the most safe and secure. Yeah. And like you guys have been making, I mean, geez, I, I purposely didn't put some of this stuff in my notes so I could be in shock when you told me, but like, how long have you been making the MA1 and, and your stuff? <laughs> Well, I think our first production of the MA1 was in I would I think it's was around 62 or 63. Okay. Now, that that was so I, when I think about Alpha's history, I think about what I call our predecessor brands. So we acquired or my grandfather back in the day acquired all these brands um and so they had been making the MA1 since the late 50s. Right. So, but a true alpha labeled MA1 destined for the Air Force or the Navy pilots was probably, I'm guessing, 62, 63. Jeez. Um, And we have a couple of them in our archives. You know, we keep them. And it's amazing this, like, you know, it's a fabric or just that, that not the quality of it, just, it just weathers so well like the quality you know you can still wear this thing it's still going to keep you warm the zip's still going to work like all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you might need to replace like the knits and stuff the knit cuffs and stuff but the the way that i think that this nylon ages is just gets that like look that you can't it's crunchy yeah it's crunchy <laughs> it's faded and it just you can't reproduce it i mean right. you, you know you see like double RL or something like doing some really cool washes and they get close, but it's not, if you actually feel these things, they're not exactly the same. And so that's really, really cool for us. Yeah. And so, I mean, you had said that your, your grandfather, so like, I mean, alpha is basically your family. 
Uh, what was that like growing up? I mean, you know, when you go to Thanksgiving, you're 10 years old. What, what are people talking about at the table? <laughs> well, um, so my, my grandpa is my mom's side okay. of the family. Um, he actually passed away when I was real young. I mean, two years old, kind of. Oh, I, I don't even really remember him and, okay. and so well. So my father took over. In a in a very young age, 82, 83, he took over. Um, and um, I mean, my memories of Alpha growing up was we went down, the company was based in Knoxville, Tennessee. We would go mm -hmm. down there and I'd go into these factories of like three or 400 workers and just watching them just put together these products. And I don't think I really understood what was happening so well i could see that they're making jackets and my father would tell me well this is the jacket that's going to this navy pilot out there which is going to go into combat or whatever he was sure. i'm not sure i really like got that so well but i get it now right now <laughs> it's where it means a ton to me um because today i'll go to certain events you know like where like we, there's the air and space museum locally they'll have events for old pilots old retired servicemen and they're wearing their flight jackets or their flight pants mm -hmm. from when they were issued back in the 70s and i would say i was like oh that's really neat i was like you look in the look at the label of that does it who does it say and they'll say it says alpha industries and that is what it all comes down to for me that's where i'm like whoa and i tell him like yeah that's that's my brand my my grandfather made that jacket you know and he sold it to them who gave it to you and and it's still here and you're still rocking it and it's it, it's i don't think that you know that that's what i think really means a heritage brand and not just a heritage brand there's a lot of heritage brands out there but just still in the family line still in the still in the my my mom like she's still around she you know she has all of these memories and she talks about them about going down into the factories and talking to all the women seamstresses, putting these jackets together. Right. Right. And like, you know, military guys like coming around the house and my grandfather talking to them and like working deals. And so it's cool. So, I mean, at, at a young age, I mean, I think like most people, it sounded like you were kind of aware of it, but you didn't like understand the impact until later. Yeah. What, what was like life like for you? So like, where, where'd you go to school? So I grew up in Northern Virginia. So uh -huh. when my father took over the business, I mean, it was all, we were government contractors, right? So we, we needed to, he, he realized he needed to have an office near the Pentagon, essentially, which is located in Northern Virginia, just outside DC. Uh -huh. And so he, he, he sent, you know, he, he centralized the business up here, kept the factory down in Knoxville to do all the production. Um, and, um, he built up, you know, a business of really just direct to Pentagon selling. So my experience locally was just that was just seeing, you know, I know he was going, I know he had clearance, you know, everybody where I live, they all have clearance. People work for the CIA or they work for the state department or whatever. Everybody talks about clearance. My father had it right. And he would be able to go into the Pentagon and sit down with these generals to learn what they needed. That, so that, that's the other thing that I, I, I always found so fascinating about Alpha and, and, and military. You know, military is, you know, when these guys sit down to, to, to design or to buy a product for the servicemen, 
it's 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 all a matter of the the utility of it right right okay we are going to open up a base in northern alaska in order to you know protect against the soviets whatever reason it is that they're doing it so we need we like this stuff that you're doing here we need it to protect for you know sub 30 degree weather go make us that or alternatively and this is what the real part of when alpha really started to shoot to the stars is during the vietnam era right so america's involvement in, in, in vietnam started to like skyrocket and they came to my grandfather at the time and said okay we've got this old world war ii field coat right the m40 m43 m43 and then they had the m59 you know and they had these these variations it's like but this isn't going to work for us okay because you got situations you know the environmental situation you've got you know rough brush you know, these guys are like not just <laughs> fighting, but it's like you got all kinds of different brush that they need durable products. But they also the key is, is that it's hot during the day and it's cold at night and it rains a lot. Go figure that out. And so they came back and we developed this fabric called Nyko Satine, which is like this super d- durable, indestructible fabric. That also has a lot of rain resistance to it, and it comes with a, a liner that you can take out during the day, and you can wear the liner if you need, or you can wear this jacket. And also, mind you, the jacket is super oversized if you had to wear, you know, ammo belts underneath it, or you know, there's these flaps on the on the cuffs that that yeah, strap the little into these... Wolverine looking flaps. <laughs> exactly, the Wolverine <laughs> flaps, and that was honestly came from. Um, it was attachment to special gloves that I understand were used during nuclear testing, oh. radiation protection. As weird as that sounds, this is a story I hear or whatever. But sure. I, I think that what's just so cool about it is that nothing was done in vain. Nothing was done for aesthetic. There's aesthetics applied, of course, but like it's all sure. done to suit the particular mission that the military needed. And they go to these suppliers like Alpha and they say, what do you got? And so they would develop and all that kind of stuff. And that's, we try and keep that, I think, in today's brand a little bit, right? Yeah. There's got to be a utility component of it. And a lot of times, like we're chasing a trend or something. This is where I think we might have gotten into trouble in in, in certain ways. Like you chase a trend like a coach's jacket. That's a great example. I always use a coach's jacket. Like. Everybody had a coach's jacket. Oh, we're an outdoor company. We need a coach's jacket. And I'm just like, okay. And so it comes through and it's coach's jacket. And I was like, what? I mean, I get why it's cool and hip and stuff like that, but does it protect them from the elements? Well, so wait, the coach's jacket as an aside, I just want to make sure we're thinking about the right one. Mm-hmm. That's the one where there's a drawstring at the very bottom, right? right? And there's a little bit of like a collar. But there's no like insulation or anything around the collar. There's no like quilting on the inside. Generally, it's like just kind of a piece of nylon that you could put a logo on. Correct. I, I just want to. Okay. All right. Pretty Thanks. much. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Pretty much. I mean, it, it's just you know, it's a hip thing. I see it in streetwear. I see it in mm-hmm. skate. Like it's oh, definitely yeah. skaters are rocking it and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's got basic snaps for closure. It's just 
a throwaway jacket to me. And it's just, it, it, I mean, we went to market with it. It sold a little bit, but it's just, it, it, it that's where me and the, the, the team, like my job is to try and keep us in this area of heritage. And their job is to push the contemporary piece to this. Like, well, w- modernize this thing and be trendy and be trend on like all that kind of stuff. And so like, there's always this little bit back and forth between us and. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just like find myself like I need to let them go, but then sometimes I'm like, I need to pull this back a little bit. So. Yeah. I mean, cause you had said that like where some of the things you might've like gone too far, like haven't done right. And I feel like that that's something that's actually pretty normal, especially for companies where like to some people alpha industries is a fashion company and they don't realize the fact that initially it was a military contractor like outerwear company that would like like what you were saying you were making things specifically for utility to help you know at the at the time the the u.s military and the defense of america or whatever it is right but like there was there was a theme behind it versus some sort of artistic expression, which is what a lot of like high fashion houses are. But then the thing that happens, and this is extremely unique to, you know, brands like Alpha Industries, is the high fashion companies appropriate the military clothing because obviously it's like the people's clothing, right? And so when you want to be more, when you want to come, when you want to come off of Mount Olympus, you go try to like do as the Romans do, even though you got the Greek and the Roman thing there. But like, and look like the people. And that's where I think things get super complicated because I, I think that the, one of the best examples of this is like the Kanye effect, right? I'm sure you remember Kanye West is wearing MA1s and every single military outfitter, outpost, surplus store and fashion store is are dialing you guys up because everyone wants to look like Kanye. Like, right. how were you navigating that? You know, it's a great conversation because frankly... It's one of those things, hindsight 2020, like I would have done things differently, to be honest. So Kanye, I mean, that's a great, this was the spark. I had been running the company for about five or six years by that time. By the time that Kanye or his people called, called us up, Kanye loves your jacket. He loves the bomber. He he wants to go. He wants to buy this for all his easy tours and all this kind of stuff. He wants to rock this thing and he wants alpha because you're the original. Okay. We're like Kanye West. Oh my God. All right. And so, and and so what is he? He buys it and uh-huh. he slaps, if you remember the images, of it, he very slaps well. like a, a Confederate flag on the sleeve. And this is just Kanye being Kanye. Shit. I forgot uh, it was a Confederate. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) And so there's Kanye, like, taking something. But, you know, I mean, but he was doing what he's supposed to do, right? Sure. That's that's what the beauty of these products are, I think, is that, like, and why we get so many collab partners, frankly, is because a flight jacket is a blank canvas. Take it, reimagine it, do what you want to do with it. It's like a perfect just to decorate over. So Kanye does this he slaps a confederate flag on his sleeve which is bizarre you know yeah real hot button topic now too (laughs) yeah and just like you know strange but anyway and and 
and then he 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 orders you know a thousand of these things all printed with like yeezy tour on the back or whatever it is mm-hmm. and alpha and next thing i know m- my phone doesn't stop ringing for collaborations for buyers barney's the what barney's calls up bloomies nor everybody's calling everybody wants a piece mm-hmm. um and you know, these are those situations. I was a young CEO, right, and relatively new. And just you, you don't you. You've got to. It, we what we didn't do. What what if I could go back and do better? Is remember that there's a brand behind this jacket. It's not just a jacket. And we got so toxicated by this one style, and we just didn't spend enough time thinking about. What happens next, right? And 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 like, what else does oh. Alpha mean, and all that kind of mm. stuff? And we didn't press in to say, "Hey, Kanye, next Yeezy, you got to get in the field coat." One after that, you've got to get into our P coat or our N three B or whatever it is, and all that. And we just didn't push hard enough on that side. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, like, it really, I think, put us on the map. As a fashion customer, as you're saying, as a fashion brand, um, yeah. and I guess reminded people of this heritage brand that was still there, still around for sixty plus years now. Um, so, I mean, a lot of benefits of it, but it's just as I think this is my job as the CEO to be thinking about, okay, what do we learn here? Mm. In a way, and I think this is something that is becoming more common with the younger generation, into which. Anything that's served in front of you, whatever, if it's a piece of clothing, music, more people, I feel, have a desire to know the full history of it um, than ever before, right? At least when I was younger, if I saw something, I would just kind of accept it and, and move on. But now, you know, even people like my younger brother and stuff, they're like, cool, like, where did that come from? And what was, what was the original use? What, like how how is this made like the, just this constant pursuit of the history behind something and in a way i feel like you know you alpha is a company that like you guys don't really need to do anything and, and i don't say that in a rude way i say that in like a way that like what you've created over the years is like that stands the test of time and because it's so ingrained in the culture right from Kanye stuff to films and movies, people are naturally and always looking for that, and they just find yeah. Alpha, right? And and that's that's the thing that you know I feel like it is such a blessing, and maybe in some ways like a, a curse at times because it's like, well, how do we innovate? How do we innovate? Where it's like you did it, you crushed it. People spend their entire career trying to build a company that they hope in the farthest years of their life could be what Alpha Industries is. 10 years ago right, and today, right. you know? Well, I, I tell you, I think, I think you're spot on. I think, I think that the, the, the challenge is, so what you're describing, what, what we already have is what I inherited, right? This, this is right. the 60 years and the government contracting and all that kind of stuff that, that was, that was handed to me. Right. So it's like now the the challenge for me has and I, I've learned this over time is just it's it's how to modernize without losing mm. that piece that makes you special, 
which is the heritage and the history. And it's 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 not easy. And honestly, I'm not. I mean, for me, my skill set that when I bring this company, I'm not the creative one. I'm not the fashion guy. I'm not like down with all the fashion brands. I live in Northern Virginia. I'm not in New York City, like you know. And um, my, you know, I'm naturally like I got. I'm a, I'm a historian. I love history. I that's what I did when I went to college. Like I mean, just I, I read books. All that. It's, it's like so. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Let me pause there. You studied history in college? Yeah. What What? What specific uh, era? Mostly like 20th century American history, you know, Okay. Um, for the most part. I mean, we always have to dabble in all kinds of things like back in, you know, European history and so forth. And it's all it's all good. I'm not going to ancient history or anything like that. Sure. But... Why did you want to study that? Just you know, that, that was, I, I, I honestly, I did not have a plan at the time. I did not really think about this business. Did I want to go in? And fr- frankly, I have an older brother and we, we all thought that he was going to come into take over the company at some point, but he, he chose a different path. And so I was like, okay, what, you know, what do I, you know, college, it's like, what do you, you know, I started off as a business major. There's a lot of math and stuff like that goes into it that I was like, okay about. But sure. like, I was like, you know what? I need to just do something I, I enjoy and do it well. And, you know, it's mm. a liberal art degree. There's a zillion different things you can go, you can do out of that. So that's why I did history. I loved it. Interested, could, could write a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know if you see behind me, but all of these books, I, basically the only stuff I read is like nonfiction yeah. history. Um, I mean, that's the last hour. That's the William Manchester book, uh, yeah, which is obviously all about Churchill. Um, I mean, one of the like mm-hmm. Churchill books, but like over the pandemic, I think, you know, for me and many others, um, you, I think during times of crisis and fear where at least, I mean, I don't know if you remember, like we were like, <laughs> Like uh, putting our groceries outside or like sanitizing, (laughs) you know, any package that came in the corner. I mean, it's fun to laugh about now, but at the time people were like, you know, how long was that outside? Was it outside long? Get it out of here. It's got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And, but I turned to a lot of books about World War, uh, World War II specifically, because it, it was a time, especially, you know, in the Cold War, but like, it was a time where no one had any idea what the F was going to happen. People seriously thought the world was near end. Um, and it was one of like the most incredible, challenging, but also beautiful times where, uh, you know, mankind united to stop <clears throat> tyranny. And I know that is a very Disney-esque phrase that I, you know, said, but it was by digging into that. And I think like many other people, I started to look around at the clothes that were being worn, especially because now you have Band of Brothers, you have the Pacific, you also have, I don't know if you're involved in this or not, doesn't matter, uh, Masters of the Air, which is supposed to come mm. out really soon. Um, that is the same, it's Playtone, it's Tom Hanks' company, but Masters of the Air, Donald Miller, is about the first Air Force um, and how like, you know, precision bombing or lack mm-hmm. thereof uh, won the war. Um, and so, like, the first United States Air Force, how that started, the 8th Air Force was technically what it was called. And, like, I started digging into that and getting more into, like, flight clothes 
And and I found out that like I was not alone because like, you know, like from Blamo listeners, we have a Slack group where we yep. all chat about, you know, all sorts of dumb stuff where like now I'm on eBay and I'm looking at vintage archives and then I'm like trying to find the military spec, uh, you know, what were the contracts look like? Not that I cared to know the numbers, but like, what were the designs? What were the blueprints? What are those things? And, you know, I stumbled upon Alpha down the road because I also collect M65s and uh, like in a weird way, I, I bought one of, I mentioned this on another podcast, but uh, uh, I think like people kind of freaked out when I did it. Like I bought one of Stanley Kubrick's M65 mm. jackets because um, he would buy them and then dye them blue. Um, and I, because I'm a dork, I monitor like uh, movie memorabilia yeah. sites. And this was one that he had and like no one bought it. And so I bought it for like 300 bucks. But like, it's an alpha yep. jacket. Like there's, there's all of this stuff in there and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And, and so it's, I feel like, like a brand like alpha, you know, like you guys are just storytellers yep. and that's like, that's the best part of it. And now in an era of Instagram algorithms and people trying to sell me their brand in a, in a tweet, I want stories. I want I want them to be tied to authenticity, not some form of like, things were hard. So we made it yeah. easy by, you know, and it's just, I'm so fatigued. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I tell you, I, I have so many, th- you just covered so many different things. I mean, from Churchill, like, yeah, I no, no, not, not in a, no, it was coherent. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. It was coherent. And it was like, it was, I mean, like on the Churchill, I read Churchill too. Like I started reading actual Churchill written books. I mean, like thinking about what we're talking about, like how do oh, you yeah. take what you've learned in the past into mm-hmm. the present day? So for Churchill, you read, I mean, he, he, he made a lot of he fucked a lot of things up in his career oh he yeah. was yeah he was not the right. brightest and ball. he and he like <laughs> i mean in world war one just this book i'm reading that right now is that he wrote about why he thinks this all happened and the detail is insane like how they came to the brink in that situation and then you know next books is to like find out well how what did he learn that made him this monumental instrumental leader that the world absolutely needed at the time so there was that that thing that i wanted to comment on um and then um you know the other thing that just has struck me a lot about what you're saying that is very relevant to alpha and this is the crux of the challenge i think for us is you know what i've found is that everybody who knows Alpha knows. I mean, everybody in the trade. Okay. Sure. I don't come across any every buyer knows, every store knows this, every influencer or 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 blogger or 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 you know, media people like yourself or 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 other brands I want to collect. Everybody knows this, right? D- does the public know us in mass? And in parts of the world they do. In Japan. Everybody knows who Alpha is. In, in Germany, yeah. everybody knows who Alpha is. Like anywhere there's, and this is interesting about it, is that anywhere there was a base, a military base, they all know Alpha. In fact, my partners right. okay. in Germany, so we, we, we have a big European business all centraled out of Frankfurt, Germany. The guys who run that, that business, they grew up, you know, he, he, the stories they tell of the growing up of like, American influence because of all the GIs running around 
post-war mm. in the 50s and 60s, they were so influential and they were wearing alpha jackets. And so these guys have known alpha since they were kids. I mean, he tells stories, he was playing football, like American football, not soccer. He was playing American football because that's what all the GIs <laughs> were playing in their, in their spare sure. time. So, so like there's, so the point is, is, so the trades know alpha. How do I get the consumers to know us? And so my instinct from the history background, again, is tell that story. Show, I've got, I've, in my archives, I've got M65s with bullet holes and blood stains on them. That we have collected, right? Really interesting. I mean, authentic, you, amazing things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm finding that that might not be the right approach. That that stuff, that stuff really? is really cool to me. Maybe really cool to you, and maybe cool to a lot of our listeners and the people who you know, the purists out there. But there's definitely like this. But wait, which part isn't cool? Is it the fact that it was used? Like the fact that there's war, basically gore? I think it's just simply a factor of, of, of the generations, the millennials and Gen Zs are not mm-hmm. so enamored with war. And they're turned oh, off, right? Sure. They're turned okay. off by violence or war and all these kinds of things. And so when I'm envisioning you know a marketing campaign and i've got pictures of you know gis wearing the stuff in battle or or you know and i I looked up right now i'm in the office i'm looking at this picture we have a picture of marilyn monroe wearing a a b-15 alpha b-15 standing Mm -hmm. on on a jet like at a uso mission right she's entertaining the troops that one might be okay that i mean it's marilyn monroe but like that that it's sure. that kind of imagery that I'm just like, that's what I'm envisioning. But the people that, that, and this is what's important for the growth of the company that I hire these people that know that, yeah, Mike, y- y- you have to find a way to soften it a little bit, to get it a little bit more palatable to the younger people who don't want to know about your jackets with blood stains on them. <laughs> right. Well, And I agree with that. I agree that like, it's probably, I would not be interested in something that was like, look at the gore, right? Look at the, look at the, the violence that's, that's happened. But when it's look at the history, you know, I mean, I think that's in, look, I'm 36 years old. So, I mean, a part of me has, I'm also someone who has, I feel like I've tried all the styles, right? And I've spent the past few years trying to refine what my own Mm -hmm. style is. And a lot of that is like classic American stuff, mm-hmm. you know, Italian, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like I haven't, I, I made all the mistakes of buying the things that I don't mm-hmm. need and mm-hmm. never wanted. And now I'm looking for the classic yeah. stuff. But I think, you know, but the, the classics to me, I'm, I'm air quoting as I'm saying that, I, I want to see all the history from it. And so I think I'm sure that desire exists because, you know, my brother is, is in that age. I don't, I guess he's Gen Z, um, you know, and that's, I feel like that's him, but you're right. Like, what is the, what is the specific story where it's like, you're not glorifying war. You're not glorifying colonialism or any sort of like patriarchy, bureaucracy, bullshit stuff. You're more trying to talk about that. It's a product that has stood the test of time. 
you know, like what, what other things out there, what Levi's 501s, right. you know, or something like that. Like we just haven't really changed it, but even then they change it every 10 yeah. years anyway. So it's like, but that's my yeah. evolution, right? That, that, that's what I've had sure. to evolve to. Cause I, I, like I said, I, I will geek out on the history stuff. Right. So when I came in, mm. I'm like, our slogan is this was good enough for the U S Marine Corps to protect them in the most dangerous you know, harsh elements on the planet. It's good enough right. for the civilian or the street. And so yeah, carrying your eyes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so but that that's where I've had to really like mm. have space for this vision, the vision of the brain. Cause to me, it's got to all come down to the visual, right? You know, it's easy to sit down and we're going through these exercises of like, talking about our target customer, easy to sit down and write that out. Your demographics, sure. your psychographics, all that kind of stuff. The, the, the challenge and the real important key, particularly for leading a company, is the visual. What does a model, an alpha model look like? The styling of that model, right? The, the backdrop, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like we could use really, we could put a pop star who's like grungy looking or, you know, whatever it is, like, is that the look? And, and if that is a look that's trending and very attractive and hot to our particular demo that we're going after, how then do I mesh in the history, the heritage and the 60 years mm. of that? This was good enough for the Marine Corps. It's good enough for this guy. Like that's where, the the that that thin line that's that's the the difference i think of a successful campaign and a not successful campaign well you know and it's interesting because i feel like this problem or opportunity whatever you want to call it um is every single brand is dealing with this right now and you know so you have like ralph lauren right where ralph lauren always talks about Build the world and the products will design themselves, right? Like be focused on the details of the world and what that world is. And then the products just, they design themselves. They exist, which is a very, I don't know, privileged thing to say because of the resources that he has, right? Right. Um, but what you see a lot of other companies doing now is, so a friend of mine works for a very large Italian company and they are known for a very high luxury vertically integrated, blah, blah, blah. People can figure it out. And what they're doing now is they're like, okay, we're going to make the ad campaign for what we would consider our core customers. These are folks who are buying all of these other brands and they're just, we're hoping they buy us too. And, and now we're going to make our stuff for our younger customers. And now we're going to make our stuff for our customers who know us but can't afford us yet. And so you see all these people trying to make like micro campaigns and putting that under the umbrella of the larger, you know, ad campaign. Mm -hmm. But all of those are just based on storytelling. So it's like, okay, we're going to tell this story of the very successful person, you know, who's driving whatever car and they pick this up because they want to connect to their dad, right? So there's, there's your older guy yep. sort of thing. Now we're going to tell the story of the younger person because they see a person on stage wearing it, right? They see some singer songwriter who's wearing it. like we don't need to tell them the history they're going to find that later in their life when they mm -hmm. look at it and it, it's interesting to see that stuff happen now because all of these companies you used to say okay we got this much money we put it all under one theme 
And now everyone's coming in saying, "Uh uh-uh, now we take this and we divide this into five, six, seven different things. Because unfortunately, we've never been more like siloed and in our own echo chambers. So you basically need to find whatever interpreter that person's looking to to learn from and and teach them in that. It's why everyone does influencers now. It's I used to be very bitter at this, but I feel like I am okay with it now. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think we're definitely siloed, um, and that that's a big problem, and that's a whole probably another podcast conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're um, trying to get into that. But also, you know, to to that point, what what I was thinking about as you were talking was just the you know the 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 social media the, the tools now that allow us to silo mm. right and so whether it's siloing in things that might be politically crazy or whatever but also just what you know shared likes shared you know passions and so forth so you know as an example for us we, you know we we do a big uh, every year we have a, c- a collaboration with NASA yeah, I'm sad. No, so yeah, right. your shoulder. <laughs> we we um we we have we were one of the so we started years ago. I mean, decade. We've been doing NASA collaboration for decades. Okay, we were selling the MA1 in their special blue, their blue color with the NASA mm-hmm. meatball patch or the old school warm logo, and we were selling that to the Kennedy Space Center. And to the Smithsonian's in downtown DC. Um, and that was just a business for us. It was fun. It was nice, like, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, this thing becomes like trendy. And Urban Outfitters calling up saying, I need thousands of your of your NASA MA1. So, you know, but it, it's we we have these niches of business. And to your point, like you're right, it's not about one's big campaign that this is my campaign because you're right i'm not like us i don't have tons of resources we've got to like but we're finding exactly as you said like i need to chop that campaign up into seven i'm speaking to seven different people right and and you target okay these guys congregate in this club in facebook over here these people congregate over here you know and you you have to tell the story and that's back to your point about like being a storyteller that's that's exactly what we try and aspire to we we have to be a a, a storytelling a, 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 a romantic we have to romanticize our heritage but but in a way of how it just it, it makes sense and is a turn on i think to younger people and that's that's why you got really smart marketing people out there, right? Who, who know how to do this stuff, you know, and it's, it's, it's a fun game. It's not easy, you know? No, no, it's not. I mean, a buddy of mine, he uh, works in the apparel business. And one of the things that his goal is, is to be the answer when someone's looking up an argument about clothes, right? So like an example would be, Right. Everyone's talking about James Bond right now. Oh, what, you know, what was the watch that Sean Connery, that Sean Connery wore in uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. No, right? Never. it's the Rolex at the you know, big crown, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I want to be the answer for that. And then I'm going to have that bundled into other stuff. So he basically has been trying to be like the, the first 
answer someone's going to see because someone's going to tap on that and then find more about their clothes. And obviously, like it's it, he's trying to connect this to clothes. And most of it is like, what what was the jacket and bullet, right? Or what was the this and that, that, that people are watching at home and being like, I want to look like that person. And that's basically been his whole MO is to just try to, because obviously we use the internet for too many things. And most of it is to like settle an argument or answer a question. And he's like, if I can be the number one place that men of this age are looking for to settle their bar argument about which pair of shoes, you know, someone had or what, which version jacket was in taxi mm-hmm. driver, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> that, exactly, right? And so like, you know, and so his thing now is like, I'm more focused on just having the answers to that there. Because people are searching for the questions and then they're finding the product later. And I'm like, that's a really interesting thing. And I think I, I used to like, when he first told me, I was like, you're an asshole. I was like, you're really ruining everyone's business. I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, no, I think I get it now. Because he's like, no, I'm trying to help people get the stuff that they're looking for. And I want to be the store that sells it to them. And I'm just like, okay, it's, it's interesting. Because people want to dress more like, characters now than they do themselves i think that that's a great business plan i love that you know I mean? <laughs> well you can meet him if you want i'll link you well up. it was like you were saying earlier you, you follow these like you know what what did you say the, the movies you know what are they wearing in the movies like there are these websites yeah. out there i've looked at them too um and if you can then you know support that with and here's where to buy it you know right um that 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 I can see that that working, but yeah, to to your point, like it's I think having a specific demo, otherwise you got way too much content, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Have have you been? Um, I don't know if you've been monitoring the the recent like Academy Museum that opened up, and one of the things they've been doing is is they have tons of the original mm-hmm. costumes from mo- from modern movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like Ariane Phillips, who's been on the show, like she, the the whole wardrobe that Brad Pitt wore. It's in there, right? But then they also have stuff where um, Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, Dorothy's uh, mm-hmm. dress, you know, gingham stuff is in there. And they're looking and they're trying to find like, you know, a taxi driver. They're trying to get all this sorts of stuff. Um, and I feel like that's, they're, they're in the process of making like a digital experience of that. And I feel like that's going to be, that's going to be huge because you know, again, like all my friends, they they don't want to dress like a celebrity. You want to dress like the character, the celebrity in the yeah. movie, right? The character, <laughs> yeah. Wanna, yeah, exactly. I really like that idea. I just took a note, honestly. I would get, get my uh, brand people to find that out because we there's tons. I mean, we we sell or seed product to production companies all the time, sure, and we'll we'll see something pop up um that like you know i remember i was watching like I, I might be the only person who liked this movie but um terminator salvation you see that oh yeah you <laughs> might be <laughs> so I, I have these weird movies i love movies with some of them i can just like i don't know what it is but anyways he's wearing oh, he's wearing great. our jacket in it and it took christian yeah, bale christian bale yeah we we made this old replica we made a replica of a um it's not a b9 it's uh i don't remember 
what it was, but it was like, you know, before nylon with the, the old shirling, the big flight jackets with the shirling. And this was the short waisted one. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I just looked it up while you're talking. Yeah. And it's yeah. got the like different, you know, it's like sheepskin, but different color patches or whatever, B3 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Actually. So they took that and you know, they, they, the, the movies, they always, they always, they always change it, right. They like cut off a trim here or they, they definitely mm-hmm. try and remove any sort of, you know, branding or whatever it is. But I looked at this thing and then I was like, talking to my wife, I was like, I think that's our B3 or whatever he's wearing. And she's like, what? And obviously she's not paying attention because the movie sucks, but I love the movie. But <laughs> <laughs> And I paused it and I like zoomed in and I could, you know, see the zip. And on the zip, it said alpha. Oh, so shit. I'm like... <laughs> How do I like for those small few that love this thing and they want to dress like John Connor in you know the year twenty seventy five or whatever? Yeah, um, I got that jacket for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fascinating. Is that have you ever like on that note? Because you know I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, you know, I want to look like that guy or I want to do that, and. I immediately try to go to like eBay or mm-hmm. Etsy. Um, and look, I, I maybe have 30 M65s that I gave away in the, in my journey of trying to find the right one. You know, I'm air quoting there, like, like the, the perfect mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. for me. Um, do I actually realize that the ones that I liked the most were the, not the M65s, but like the flight one with the raglan sleeve? And the round collar because it was a little bit like puffier because it was easier for them to the fighter pilots to have their their helmet on. I think it was the Air Force, the Air Force jacket. It predated the M65 for sure. Yeah. And it, and it has a raglan yeah. sleeve on it. I'm super square. So like it, it yeah. just it looks better mm-hmm. on me. And I'm like, man, I'm like. I would much rather like buy, pay whatever it costs, but get the vintage ones from the people that made it or like have them restored. Like, have you guys ever entertained that or, or done that? Like reselling old alpha. So we do in, um, so uh, we, yeah, well, we launched, um, a, a program at alpha, but I think about a year ago that we call resupply okay. operation resupply. Right? Oh shit. How did I miss this? So, yeah, you can see it on the website. We have it under vintage right now, but it's called Operation Resupply, which, by the way, that's an example of me saying, let's call it Operation Resupply. And everyone's like, Mike, you're getting too military there. Those are those like <laughs> debates. As long as you're yeah. having a two hour debate on whether to call it Operation Resupply or Resupply. But anyway, I totally miss this. I see it yeah. right here. Son of a beast. <laughs> Look at this. So, this I'm really proud of this one. This was my baby. Um, like I said earlier in our in our conversation, that a lot of things I've inherited. This this thing I, I conceived of myself, and it was just like I was seeing like I was like where where can I? So I know we we are well connected into the vintage trade, military sure. vintage trade. Like and really most of those relationships are through people I, I've met in Japan. Right? They love Americana. They love American military. And, and, you know, even some people that are local as well, but they, the vintage military trade is like this underground. You've got to know somebody who knows somebody mm-hmm. who want like the best, the best of the real thing. So, 
what I realized I had was I have resources in terms of supply. And I had and I and I and I knew people that love alpha and and particularly Japanese people that that can find whatever I want. It's I've yet to ask them. I'll look into my archives and I'll say, you know what? I'm seeing from the contracts here, we're missing, I don't have an N2B short waist parka from the 60s. I need that to complete because I got one in the 70s and I got mine from the 80s and you see the variations right. of these as they go. But I know that we did this. I know we made this in the late 60s according to this contract over here. And and I call this guy up and I'm like, hey, can you find me this? You know, He's like 10 right. grand. And I'm like, I'm like, price <laughs> doesn't really matter on something like that. Well, to a point, of course, but yes, very yeah, expensive, yeah. but they, they really know that. So I realized I had something that I think was, was unique was I have access into this supply chain for real authentic military vintage, not just American, not just alpha or American, like global stuff. And so I was like, how do I package this thing? And, you know, I'm seeing like the grails of the world and, and the real, real, like, these are like my, you know, inspirations of how to do this kind of stuff and whatever it is. And so we started buying vintage. And the other key one that that's really cool is dead stock. So there's... Oh, dude, tell me about it. I've spent a grip on a lot of old Disney World merchandise mm-hmm. dead stock. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm an idiot. Dead stock <laughs> is, I think, far... Because vintage is cool. Of course, it's cool. But dead stock military dead stock what that means is it was manufactured sold to the government for whatever purpose and just never actually was issued never left the military depot for whatever reason you know they buy tons of stuff or whatever sure and i have other resources for this that's finding dead stock and you find a lot of dead stock in like fabric right there's a lot of fabric out there whether it's like a discontinued camo right Mm -hmm. um or um, a discontinued, you know, like the military, for example, they, you know, current flight jackets, they're, they, they use Nomex. Nomex is a, you know, is a branded fire retardant fabric that all, all pilots have to wear when they're up there, right? And, and oh, sure. the military, maybe a couple years, three or four years ago, they changed the spec on Nomex. And so there's this, and it was kind of a shiny Nomex and now it's more of like a matte finish is what they change. So there's all these rolls of old Nomex that's out there. And so that's like the dead stock stuff that you're, you're picking up here. And so we, we try and get our hands on dead stock um, whenever we can find it. And, um, and I put this together, vintage military, vintage dead stock Mm -hmm. and upcycling. That's the third component to resupply. And, um, it's storytelling. I mean, I'm not making any money here. This is not, this is way too expensive. Like, you know, you hear the, the real reels of the world. Like, I don't think they're making any money either. Like, (laughs) yeah, I was going to say it's, it's a big customer acquisition strategy. Yeah. It's a data thing. Exactly. Like, you know, and that's what they're probably going to turn around and sell at some point. But, um, we're just collecting like this. So it's all about the storytelling. It's about the experience, right? So what I'm building towards in this is if I can get, you know, a decent database of people who are into this stuff, if I can build some brand recognition to say, if you want military vintage that's authenticated, okay, because eBay doesn't authenticate. 
grilled. No, they don't. And yeah. I, I have so much bad, like that was the thing is I have so much bad vintage stuff where like it's not correct or, and some of it I get it. Like maybe the person that owned it, they swapped all the buttons out. Right. Sure. You know, and therefore is it authentic right. then if the original owner, did, you know, I mean, but like I just have so many things where like, oh, this isn't correct or this isn't the period that I thought yeah. I purchased or. You know, like, yeah, I, that is a huge pain right. to me. And expensive. I mean, I've got to pay. We, we have, you know, we have a couple people that we freelance to that are military historians that authenticate certain things that come in that we're just not sure about. And right. then, you know, it's all about telling the story. And so I think, you know, ultimate goal for this thing is, you know, I don't see this ever really being a profit center for me. Um, and you know, maybe it's the kind of thing like I envision like, you know, you know, maybe I go to the real real one day and I'm like, look, do, do you want, you know, it's like a shop and shop concept. Like maybe right. I can just I can sell them like, look, I will curate and authenticate a, a military uh, experience and collection for you guys. And and maybe that's the future of what resupply can be. Um and so that's, you know, cause that, that stuff's not, it's not easy to do, but I, I find, I mean, we, we have these, these people out of the surplus, um, channels that we know that are distributors and traders on vintage and dead stock. And you go into their warehouses and it's like, you get blown away. And it's not just, mm. it's not just military either that these guys are buying and hoarding and whatever. I, I, this one guy that we use a lot, he's out of New Jersey. He has pallets of old life cereal, yeah. life, oh, life cereal from back in okay. the day, like in the eighties, like Mikey likes it, like, you know, plastic wrapped in pallets. And it's like, nobody's going to eat this. It's 40 <laughs> years old now, but just like these traders, they, they're just, they're so into it. They buy all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. It's but like that's the stuff where it's like thank God for those yeah. people because there are so many little parts of American culture that I feel like because of how fast everything's moving all the time you're just never going to pay attention mm -hmm. to that you know uh, um now I'm not saying like the people that buy these things on like wild speculation but like I do love and you know and it's crazy because <clears throat> as an aside there was an argument of like well. What what is vintage now? Like how old does something need to be as vintage? And my wife works at Etsy and like for them it was like it has to be 20 years, right? So vintage, ready, is 2001. <laughs> that's not like in my head, I'm like, that's not vintage. Like 2001, like no. Uh, uh, and vintage in my mind is like 60s, 70s, 80s isn't vintage because it's when I was born. I don't know. But like seeing the things from that time. Whether it's cereal boxes to plates to pictures, I mean, it, it's some of the most warm feelings ever. And it's like, oh, I guess I understand nostalgia now. <laughs> well, I'm glad that somebody has some kind of benchmark of what vintage is. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, no offense to Etsy, um, but I don't know if sure, 20 yeah. years feels good to me. But we have that same conversation. What is vintage? It's got to yeah. have some kind of dating on it. Um, it can't just be something used, you know? Yeah. yeah Cause I think they, they started through cars and I think the car thing is a vintage car is, is 20, yeah. 20 okay. plus years old. Okay. 
you know. But again, 2001. 2001, you have Power Windows. Mm-hmm. Power Windows is not vintage. <laughs> like, this is, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm really wrestling with mm-hmm. this here. <laughs> I should buy up a bunch of cars, you know, 2010s, that soon enough, it's going to be vintage, and I might get some, there, some return. Yeah. Have you, have you gone into any of that stuff? Like, is there any weird sort of things that you collect? Um, I mean, obviously, it sounds like all the military stuff, and that that counts. But. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I'm not much of a collector. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it because I feel like I'm like a poser about it. But I love Star Wars. I know everybody loves Star Wars, and I collect Star Wars stuff. Meaning, I don't actually wear it. Like, I just collect it, keep it in original tags and stuff like that. Whoa. But, okay. But that, that's that's I, a whole. What do you got? Well, what I do don't you got? really have. That's the thing is, it's like I dabble, like. One thing that I've I've ha- I've I've had my eye on. I saw this a couple years ago, and it's like a lightsaber. I found it in like an old Korean. It was in Korea, yeah. It's in Seoul, in this special market that they had. Like it was like this crazy like weapon store. They had old like hair, like crazy old ancient weapons, and then they had this lightsaber um, that was okay. made in the in the eighties, I think. Um, I didn't buy it, but that's the kind of stuff that like I, one day I'll get there <laughs> when you're bringing that stuff in. But no, I, I, I certainly, I don't want to call myself a collector. Um, I just, I buy things when I, when I like them and I, when I keep them. Have you seen, cause you mentioned lightsabers, you know, that there's like this whole new budding, uh, world of like people that are making custom lightsabers and they're like crazy legit now like it's the ones that they're using like on the recent star wars movie so there's a big plastic shield around it but it's they got sounds and the it's leds and you know so you see the 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 lightsaber like kind of come out and come back Mm -hmm. and they're they're like five hundred dollars and there's a six-month waiting list yeah no i've heard Um, something about this actually my (laughs) daughter is a nine-year-old she's she's more into it even than maybe i am at this point there you go um, yeah love love the Um, stars (laughs) <laughs> cool so we're wrapping up but there's a few other kind yeah. of questions and like random stuff i want to go through with you um if you were making a youtube how-to video what would the subject well, be well i'll tell you what i got an idea that i've been like thinking about um go for y- it you you know the fastest growing sport in the country is is it that break ball thing where you smack the ball in like a grid of net on the ground pickleball Oh, pickleball. 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 Yeah, yeah. Dude, there's a bunch. My neighbors up the street, they're all playing pickleball. They turn the basketball courts into pickleball, pickleball courts. Pickleball. Yeah. Right. So I, it's nuts. It's the funny thing. I, to, I told my, my CFO, I was like, okay, sit down for this. Like, we've got to come out with a pickleball collection. We've got to start a brand, not alpha, like, but we got to do a brand for pickleball because it's a great idea because it's it's easy it's it's just like any other sports gear it's like tennis gear it's like anything else right yeah but there is no brand right now is this an opportunity to get out there and so i like it's funny i talk to like all these old guys i know because it's like it started really it's like mostly old people like who can't move around they want to play tennis but they can't actually move around so much so they're all playing pickleball and in every like senior you know homes and or and 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 you know country clubs and whatever else they all got pickleballs and i'll go so i'm like dawns on me i was like we got to get a pickleball line going here 
So that means I got to start playing pickleball, which I've never played before. But um, you're not missing too much. It is fun, but it's like it's a. I think it's a sport that's fun to play if you don't care. Like if you're going to play it and get really competitive mm-hmm. on it, it's like I feel like you're you're in a world of hurt. It's just not because everyone else that at least that I know that plays yeah. it, you're like, hey, who cares? Whatever. Are we even keeping score? And then you know, <laughs> just. I feel yeah. you on that because it's like it's like how I feel like I'm watching ESPN and I'm seeing like spike ball tournaments and like that's what I was it, talking about. Spike yeah, ball. no, it's yeah. it seems as like, but this is legit. Like, I mean, like people are playing it, young people are playing it. You're talking about like they're mm-hmm. building courts in like downtown Manhattan. Like, I mean, this is you know, like this is a real thing. So, <laughs> so I <laughs> got my like CFO of all people. He's just like, come on, man. Like what? And he's he's from he's a great guy. He's from Ghana, originally. Oh, cool. And you know, and he's he so he's American, of course. But he's like, there's might be these little things in American culture that he might. And he's just like, he's just laughing and laughing. I'm like, you see, man, this is gonna it's gonna pay the bills someday. <laughs> I agree. I think I think pickleballs is where we have not seen how big it's gonna get. I mean, it's gonna be nuts. Um, what is the last album you heard? <laughs> There's you no know, there answer. might be a wrong answer because uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if my wife was sitting in this room, she would just be like, don't, don't go there. But I, I have like fallen into this like 80s, 90s love ballads out, out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I'm listening. Great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm listening to like. Genesis? You, you know, I, I like Phil Collins. I definitely will, will, will. That's on my playlist. I started listening to like Chicago. Hell like, yeah. And, and Hell this yeah. guy can sing. They don't make music like this anymore. And I'm like in the car and my, my wife's, a, um, you know, and, and we've got the kids and she's playing all the pop music. The kids are loving it. And it's like, okay, it's, it's dad's turn. And I'm putting on like, you know, the cars or or, or like the, the, hey, Rico the, the Beach Boys. God bless you. Know, like the, this kind of music. That That's where I am these days, unfortunately. <laughs> but No, I put that stuff on and get super emo. Yeah. Like, I used to listen to emo music back in the day, but like I put on Pet Sounds and I was, you know, my daughter's almost four and I was trying to show her Pet Sounds of Beach Boys album. And, you know, God only knows mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain to her. I was like, so Harriet, so like this harmony, like yeah. he, they, they, you know, he just did it and like, and, and then the Beatles heard this and they, they freaked out and this was an answer to Rubber Soul. <laughs> and then my daughter's just like, play the troll soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> we're, in this, like, we're in the same boat, man. I know. Then you got Justin Timberlake coming on. With, yeah, I know. I yeah. Know. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> but though that music though, I mean, that, that that is though, like, it's, it's, it stands the test of time though. Like for real. Like it's like, mm-hmm. it might not, you know, it might not be for everybody. I don't know. But like you put on like, I put on like Michael Jackson, you know, my, my daughter can't help herself from like moving, you know? Oh, yeah. and, and so yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm stuck in the past a little bit on the music trends. Like I listen to some like alternative rock, you know, and all that kind of stuff and I appreciate it, but um yeah, I'm 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 like on the 80s channel on Sirius XM most of the time. Well, no, that's totally fine because like thanks to Spotify, music doesn't really have a date anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You just you know, people are discovering Fleetwood Mac the same time they're hearing a new Drake album. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I feel like back when, you know, and I'm not old, but like back when I was listening to music, 
you would listen to the oldies station, yep. right? And then you could hear the Beatles and that other yep. stuff. And so it was always that old, but now people are discovering it at the same time. And so it's like, everything is new. But how did you feel about that oldie station when you were like 10 years old? Oh, I listened to it in private because, you know, my <laughs> friends were blasting Candlebox. Yeah, right. and, 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 and I'm like, I don't like Candlebox. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, you like Roy Orbison, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, this is the last question. What is a movie or book that when someone mentions, you feel that they understand? I'm going to go book right now because it's been very influential on me. Um, recently, I was given a book. Um, very popular book, um, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Okay, so yeah. a lot yeah. of people know it. Um, and this, you know, I, I've always felt connected to the environment, a little caring about the environment and the treatment of animals and so forth and all that kind of stuff. I mean, my bar mitzvah theme was Save the Planet, you know, which was... <laughs> I mean, most most kids are like baseball or whatever they are, and I was save yeah, the planet, save the planet, and okay. and 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 now and so I, um, you know, I was just like inspired to finally make a change, um, and I stopped eating meat and haven't had meat since this Thanksgiving will be one year. And, Whoa! You know, it's not that honestly. I'll be honest with you; like, it's it's not. The alternative meats they have this day, the Beyond Meat, the Impossible stuff, yeah. like it's so good. It, it's no, I mean, you you put you know all the cheese and whatever it is you want, and you can't tell the difference. So I I have been able to satisfy my 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 need for meat occasionally mm. on that. What I do miss, if I, if I was to say I miss anything by not eating meat for almost a year now, is like a Popeyes like chicken sandwich. Like that's. <laughs> that's what i miss of Hell all yeah. things like not anything gourmet like rotisserie chicken it's like i want it down and dirty but um i i would i would recommend that book honestly whether or not you care to like have some sort of shift in in, in your it, it, he's such a good writer um it was like a book put together very well talking about like you know, not only just the treatment of animals, but also like how we got to where we are, just how like farming changed when they started incorporating corn, you know, and that corn was mm. this magic crop because there's so much calories packed into a little thing and it's a very weather resistant product and all that. Kind of, very interesting to like get through all that history and, and come out the other end. So that's what I read recently and that's that's where I am. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Thank you, thank you so much for for all your time, and and hopefully, uh, you know that you enjoyed it. And uh, but this this was really special. So yeah. thank you. Very no, much. I appreciate it. And thank you for the invite. I thought this was fun. Great. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amar Lal, and the theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, do all the deals, follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a phone number, just check the show notes for the number. Leave us a message. No one will answer, but we'll put it in a future episode. Or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, if you want to hang with us and join the Blam Fam, visit patreon.com forward slash blamo where we have tons of exclusive episodes and our amazing slack community that's it from me see you soon